Welcome to the End to End Podcast with Derek and Carl Francozzi on Anchor, Spotify, or any other platform you may be listening in on. This is episode nine of season one, and today we're reviewing the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Thank you for tuning in. Feel free to follow us on all social media at end to end Podcast with a two, and feel free to donate directly to the podcast via listener support on Anchor. This helps support the podcast hosts and create better content and leveling up our podcast for you all. Derek, let's start. For, with PSG versus Bayern Munich, PSG lost to Bayern Munich in the second leg 1-0. Tied on aggregate 3-3, but ended up winning on away goals. So PSG pulled another one where you lose, you tie, and you still win. Uh, Derek, what was your reaction to the two crazy legs? I think the first leg definitely went the way we all expected it to go. Definitely with the tightness of the scoreline, especially with how many goals were scored. I was expecting a high-scoring game. Uh, the second leg, I would say was a little bit more relaxed. I think PSG were more worried about not letting Bayern through than they were about, you know, catching up on a lead and trying to keep it. I think they were just more worried about don't allow them to score more than three. And if they do score more than one, we got to come back with at least one goal. So overall, though, I think the first leg, like I said, went the way most of us expected it to. And the second leg just didn't really live up to what we all expected. But at the end of the day, I think it was PSG just trying to get the job done. I think the injuries, though, for Bayern definitely kind of watered down the competition a little bit. I'll be honest. I thought the the first leg kind of – I mean, I wouldn't say it went the way I thought, um, but I would definitely say um, I expected PSG to be dangerous on the counter, especially against a, a Bayern Munich side that plays that high line. Yeah. Um, the other side – the other thing that – what surprised me was actually Bayern Munich's selection in the first leg. Mm-hmm. They uh, decided no Alfonso Davies. Uh, and ended up playing, you know, uh, Sula in the middle. And I thought that was odd when you know you're playing against Mbappe and Neymar, which I feel his style of defending just doesn't really work against that. those style of attackers. Um, I thought Hernandez was great. Lucas, I think, played his absolute rear end off. Um, I think Alaba was shifted all around and did his job in each in each area. Pavard was okay in the first leg. Um, I didn't see anything wrong with him. But I think when Alfonso came on, uh, they changed totally for Bayern in that second half. They're actually really, really dominant. And him yeah. getting up and down that left side uh, made Di Maria have to drop off a lot deeper. So um, I think, to be honest, it was it was just odd in terms of Bayern's selection in the yeah. first leg. Um, the second leg, like you kind of mentioned, you knew that PSG was kind of playing the result. I, I agree with you there. I definitely don't think they were worried, you know, to about scoring as many goals as they can. They should have scored goals. I mean, Neymar Neymar hit the post what twice? <laughs> Hits the crossbar. Um yes. Neuer makes a great save a couple times as well. So um definitely could have been PSG five or six if it's not for Neuer in the goal and maybe a I don't know a couple inches wider goal. <laughs> yes, very true, very true. Uh but yeah I totally agree with that selection comment you made. I, is that a moment, though, you think that maybe the manager's overthinking it? Maybe he was thinking, I need to be more defensive. So Alfonso being a little more attacking, he thought, all right, I need to put on my more defensive players. Or do you think that was more of like a, maybe it was poor rotation during the week. Maybe he played Alfonso during the week before that, and he was running a little tired, so he had to switch him out? I don't know. I I think Hansi, to be honest, uh was really worried about where the goals were going to come from with Lewandowski out. Um, and with that, I think 
he said, okay, we're going to put Sané and Coman and Muller up front with Chuopamoting. And he said, okay, we're going to have four dedicated attackers. And then he started with Kimmich and Goretzka in the middle. And Goretzka obviously gets four quite a bit. So I think he just said, look, we're basically going to have five going forward. We need to make sure we're having five stay back. And I think that's why he decided to move Davies out. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I would certainly say Davies taking him out, I don't think made them a better team defensively or in the attack. So, yeah. Um, now, Derek, I guess we can hop to the other side of this with, with PSG. Uh, do you think PSG are showing that they're real contenders now after this win and, uh, you know, two consistent years now in the semifinal, now beating Bayern, who beat them in the final last year? Or was this just a, I would say, a lucky win against a, a wounded duck, I guess you could say, in this Bayern Munich squad with all the injuries they picked up? I wouldn't call it lucky. I would definitely say they uh, capitalized on the fact that they didn't have Lewandowski and Graska, and they used that to kind of drive themselves forward in this one, especially with the way the first leg went, where they were able to pick up the three goals. That makes it a lot easier in the second leg. Now, of course, allowing two goals as well doesn't help, but that's also away goals, which Mm. obviously propelled them forward heavily with the way they uh, use away goals in Champions League. But... I mean, if you look in the past couple years, like you brought up, they did make the uh, final last year losing to Bayern Munich, and then this year they beat Bayern Munich, kind of like a little bit of a revenge moment. Mm -hmm. So I would say that they are starting to show that they might be a real contender with their squad in Europe. It's definitely something that we have to look at, and I think we've kind of overlooked them this year. In fact, uh, at the start of the season, everyone was kind of like, oh, Bayern, oh, look at you know Manchester City. Some people look towards Liverpool, Real Madrid. And no one really goes like, hey, PSG is still in town. You know, they made final last year. It's not like they're <laughs> Spurs. <laughs> yeah. You know, they have some quality players, too, and no one really looked at them. No, I I, I, uh, I wouldn't say we overlooked them, but I think a lot of people thought, okay, they lost to Bayern in the final. Bayern's firing on all cylinders. Lewandowski still looks like the best player in the world when he plays uh, with the amount of goals that guy puts in. Um I would say PSG, I think it's a combination of both. PSG definitely beat a a not fully strong Bayern Munich, Bayern squad, Munich squad that beat them in the final last year. Uh, Lewandowski is a huge miss. I would equal it to, you know, Juventus not having Cristiano or Messi not or Barcelona having Messi. Yeah. Um, because he's been that good for them this season. He scored yeah. so many goals for them and that People just think, oh, you know, he just scores because that Bayern Munich squad's so good. No, someone has to put in the back of the net. And obviously, Chopa Moting did not do that enough for them. And Muller was not his normal self yeah. uh, without him in there. And then you look at you're relying on guys like Leroy Sané and Kingsley Coman, who Coman's a great assist player, and he can play off that wing and swing in great service, but no one's there to finish it. And then Leroy Sané, if he's, I would say, put under a microscope and the other team actually kind of focuses on stopping him which i want to say psg did a great job stopping him. i think he just he he didn't have the performances that byron needed in either yeah. of these legs uh and actually just kind of fell off and i will say it's also but yes this byron munich squad wasn't great this psg squad i really really like um i think they have a understanding of what they are and who they are in this champions league they know that they're going to have to defend for long parts they know that they have neymar and mbappe they know they're not going to high press, but um, they have a back line with Marquinhos, who's a great leader. Obviously, wasn't there in the second leg. They've got some really some guys that are veterans. Danilo Pereira yeah. is no slouch. 
Uh, Kimbembe is no slouch. I don't love either of them, but they're both, you know, solid, solid Champions League level players. Verratti, who wasn't in this uh, either in these two legs, but you have Paredes, you have Herrera off the bench, who's a, uh, a leader who, you know, even if he doesn't play, I'm sure in the locker room makes a lot of big talks to these guys and, you know, yeah. make sure they're focused. You look at Adrisa Gay, who's was really, really good, I think, in both of these legs. Definitely. He's had a good run in the Champions League this season. So I, I think this PSG squad. And then let's not forget, Kaylor Navas in goal is probably, if not, the most underrated goalkeeper in Champions League history. Very true. Very true. I mean, the, he won three straight Champions Leagues. <laughs> and and no they're much like, way. we don't even want you. Get out of here. We're bringing in courts now. So. Um, but no, I think I think it's a combination of both that Byron were wounded for sure. But I think this PSG squad knows exactly what their identity is, and they play to that to a T. So, yeah. um, Derek, the the something for Byron came out recently after this, and it kind of looks like it's basically set in stone now that Hansi Fleek is moving on mm-hmm. uh, after this season, and that he's going to take over the German national job, like you had predicted a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I finally uh, got I went, one right, guys. <laughs> I went with Jump Heinkiss, and they, I guess Germany wasn't all in for that. And I think also Hansi Fleek actually kind of wants the German national team job. Um, but what's your uh, what's your opinion on that? Do you think it works out for the German national team if they take Hansi Fleek? Yeah, I think that works out pretty well. I think his philosophies work out well with that German national team. And I think he just has a good vision for what he his style of play is. And I think going forward, that's kind of what Germany wants to match, especially with the young talent they're starting to have come through. Well, not young talent they're coming through with, but just younger talent. You know, Kimmich, yeah. he's getting older. They're coming in their own, and I think he's a good guy to have with them. I think he's a manager that is coming into his own at the same time, so that's mm-hmm. like a perfect match. Yeah, and I think for both Germany and uh, Hansi Fleek, I think it's both they're, they're going to want to have each other for a long time. I think Hansi Fleek loves the thought of him being the German national team coach, especially with him being a former assistant to Joachim yeah. Lowe when they won that World Cup. So I think it's great connections also with him and key Bayern Munich players. You know, his connections with Boateng and Muller, uh, who are kind of outcast right now in the German national team. And obviously with Sané, who, you know, was snubbed uh, in the past World Cup. Yeah. So I definitely think it'll be a good connection and good uh, hire for both ends. I think the biggest question now is, um, can Hansi Fleek win without some really good attacking outside yeah. backs? You know, That's no Alfonso true. Davies, yeah. no Pavard, no, you know. That you're going to have Hector, you know, as your right back. And you're going to have you're going to have Schultz at left back, you know, and you're going to have some some question marks in certain positions yeah. uh, for him to have to answer and see if he can do it without basically a knockout Bayern Munich squad that really didn't have any major weaknesses um, outside of maybe center back. But he he cleaned that up pretty quickly with Alaba and Boateng. So. Uh, he'll definitely have some questions to answer, especially with it being his first international, you know, head coaching job. So, yeah, um, I wish him the best, though. Yeah, and I think I think it'll be good. I think it'll be yeah. really enjoyable to watch. So, well, Derek, let's move on to the other match in the Champions League quarterfinal, which was Chelsea losing to Porto one 0 in the second leg, but winning on aggregate two one to go through in the semifinal. 
Chelsea face Real Madrid in the semifinals. This will be a great game for me to watch. Oh yep. man, <laughs> Derek, do you think uh, do you think Chelsea can make it all the way to the final, or is this where Tuchel's Chelsea run ends? Oh, man, that's that's a tough call because I want to say with their run of form recently, I think they can beat Real Madrid. But then I look at Real Madrid, I go, I can't bet against the Don, and I can't bet against that team. I really think that. I think it's a nail biter of a game, but I think I have to say that Real Madrid's going to go to the final here. So I think this is the end for this Chelsea run in Champions League. I'm really impressed with how far this team got, though. Hmm. I think uh, they're definitely going to lose to Real Madrid. I'll say that right now. They're definitely going to lose. Um, Chelsea don't have the class right now to play with this Madrid team in terms of they haven't been there before, a lot of these players. Um, you're looking at your probably most experienced player being at times Jorginho and Giroud on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're in Tiago Silva, to be fair, if he's, if he's fit. Um, but you know, as Pili Quilta, maybe sure. Yeah. As Pili Quilta, mm-hmm. I guess, but you know, then you look at the other side and Sergio Ramos and Tony Cruz and Casemiro and Modric and, and Varane and, you know, Carvajal and Benzema and a three peat coach in Zidane. Like they just don't have that class right now. And it's not Tuchel's fault. I'm not saying it's Tuchel's fault. It's not Chelsea's fault. They just haven't been there yet. I think it'll be great for them to reach the semifinal and get the experience for young guys like Mount and Havertz and Werner and Pulisic and Ziyech and all those. I mean, Ziyech obviously was, you know, in a semifinal at one point, but uh, I, I think it'll be without a problem. Chelsea losing this one. I I think the biggest issue will be is Madrid scoring enough to get through. Yeah, that's they, why they're, I was. They're going to be relying on Vinny Junior and yeah. Benzema to be you know a really stout you know defense for Chelsea. That's why that's where I think it's troublesome. It's not mm. that I don't think that the defense can hold it together for Real Madrid. I think the injuries and the COVID with Varane missing out, but he's missing on training now because I think by the time that they play this game, he'll be back. Yeah, he'll be back. But still, just overall, I just feel like it's one of those things where it's not (laughs) will Real Madrid keep them from scoring. It's can Real Madrid score enough to, you know, win the game? Because Mm -hmm. I don't other than outside of Benzema, there's not a consistent goal scorer on that team right now. That's true. That is very true. Uh, Derek, what what is your reaction to Porto's run? Uh, They make it obviously to the quarterfinals here, getting past Juventus in the round of 16. Uh, Were you impressed with, with Porto's run? Yeah, I'm very impressed. And I think they went out with some dignity with some dignity as well, because I mean, losing two to one on Agra is not bad at all. I mean, obviously you lose two to zero in the first leg, but then lose one nil in the second leg, not do not lose win the second leg. So like, I really think that that's not terrible for them. I, I think a lot of people wrote them off, especially at the beginning. They saw Juventus versus Porto. Like, oh, Juventus won. And then they didn't. So I, I'm very impressed with Porto. I'm very happy for them. This is just something that they can kind of pat themselves on the back for. I think this is just a nice little, you know, I wouldn't call it a success, but I think it's a nice little accomplishment for them. Hmm. Yeah, I think that I agree with you. They had a solid run. 13 points in the group stage is nothing to laugh at, yeah. uh, especially when you're playing City twice and tying City in their second game, 0 0. Uh, you beat Juventus. Um, who's you know one of the biggest clubs in the world and the biggest probably italian club in the world uh so there's nothing for them to drop their head about i think they're 
there was times where I think they could have done better against Chelsea in the attack. Um, but defensively, you, you couldn't ask more out of this team. Uh, the first, the first goal they allowed to Mason Mount in the first leg is basically just really, really good from Mount, not really yeah. bad from Porto side. And then the second goal is, you know, they make their own mistake. Show all hops on it uh, in possession. So I think they'll be kicking themselves a little bit because I think if you eliminate that mistake, you do a little bit better in your attack on the second leg. You're looking at maybe getting past Chelsea too. Yeah. So I think they'll, they'll be disappointed, but at the same point, I think, like you said, they're going to view it as it's a decent accomplishment to make it this far. And I'm sure they'll be licking their lips to get back at it next year. So, yeah. Um, Derek, I guess the, the other thing we could talk about here with this Chelsea versus Porto second leg was, you know, it's a bit more competitive than the first one. I wouldn't say, you know, Porto weren't competitive in the first one, but Porto obviously made this one itchy more at times yeah. for, for Chelsea. Uh, is this something to worry about uh, for Chelsea or is this just them getting the job done and just getting it done enough to where they can get through? Um, I think it's just them getting the job done. You look at when that goal score is scored in like the last minutes of the game. I don't think it's really a thing that they really have to worry about. But at the same point, you also have to look at stats. Stat-wise, they were equal on shots, equal on like shots on target. So that kind of can get a little worrying. It's like you kind of, you know, went down to the competition. But I think that's what you do in these cases when all you're trying to do is get the job done. So I think it's one of those things where they're not really worried, but I think you'd expect better from them. I think mm-hmm. they would have put it away and they just kind of didn't they kind of sound what they had which is fine but you know it's just something to where Chelsea just needs to watch out for that kind of thing but yeah yeah I don't think it's anything to worry about I think Tuchel purposely set his team up to play a little bit more possessive a little bit more safe make sure we don't lose the ball in front of goal make sure we don't take any unnecessary risk going forward uh make sure that we are always solid at the back um, the goal was given up from a really special moment. You know, Taremi on that bicycle kick is incredible as maybe the, the goal of the season in Champions League. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, I mean, Chelsea did exactly what they needed to do. I think they were solid for most uh, of both legs. I don't really see them as like, you know, oh, man, they got lucky Porto didn't score three or four goals. Um, yeah. I think they, you know, were unlucky to allow one goal <laughs> to Porto. So, yeah. Um, no, I don't think it's anything to worry about. I think your biggest worry right now is you have to basically go play Champions League royalty uh, in Real Madrid in the in the next leg. So yeah, that that'll be my, that'll be the worry of any Chelsea fan right now. Um, Derek, let's move on to the next one: Manchester City beating Dortmund two one in the second leg, winning four two on aggregate. Derek, what was your reaction to the matches? And then I also want to get your opinion on the handball against Emery Chan in the second leg, and then the Bellingham Bellingham goal disallowed in the first leg. First of all, both calls were terrible calls. So the handball on Amri Chan, that is actually like, what is he supposed to do after that ball hits his you, head? You his think arm. you don't you don't think Emery Chan intentionally threw his arm out to stop the ball? The ball hits off his head and hits into his arm. I don't Why think was that his arm out like he's like he's he one was of the in dancing a pl- things he, in front of a car lot? His arm was out before he even went for the header. So Don't he's in a back, play. man. Like they haven't learned from Ivanovich after all these years to throw their arms behind their back. No, no, that's oh not a playing gosh. position. I'm sorry. I, to me, that's not a handball. It's it is bang, bang. If that ball had been shot from where his head was and hit his arm, it wouldn't have been a ha- 
handball. So in my opinion, it's not a handball. He headed the ball into his arm. That's a yes. handball. So how's that helping him? He's trying to clear the ball and it hits off his exactly. arm. Exactly. He, right he, he was trying to make sure the ball didn't get past him. So Man City couldn't get a shot. No, it, no. He's heading the ball. He's heading the You try to put this arm down while you're heading a ball, okay? It's, it's not going to happen. It is, that is not a handball. I don't care you what tell, You show me any forward that's ever tried to head the ball It's like literally that. been proven by a referee. He said that that is in the rule book that that is not a handball. It's a handball. It is not a handball. But, yes, it is not a handball. That should have never been called for a handball. I don't care what anyone says. I'm tired of these stupid handballs being called that aren't handballs. Just like I can't remember when it happened last year. Laporte, he's in a big old group of people. Ball comes bouncing through. That doesn't was, even yeah, see it. That and was it hits not him. a handball. Yeah, that was not. Exactly. That's the same difference. Okay, I'm sorry. No, this is not the same. He, it is the same. How is he supposed to know that that ball is coming off his hand, hitting his arm? How, how? is he? How how does he not think I'm going to try and head the ball? Maybe I should get my arm out of the way before I head it. How are you reading the intentions of the player? He's going Man, for the header. On. He's throwing his arm out on purpose. He's no, he's th- he not. knows what he's doing there. He's a pro. No, he's Come not. On. And then Bellingham goal disallowed. Definitely not a freaking foul. No. <laughs> if anything, that's a foul on Ederson. He kicked the player. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, if Bellingham takes a dive there, I wouldn't be surprised if the ref like doesn't know what to do in that instance because the balls went towards the goal. Bellingham has now been tripped and both are on the floor. What's the call? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Bellingham flops, gets up, passes in the goal. It's a goal. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that definitely shouldn't have been disallowed. And I think the big thing for a lot of people there is like, this is where VAR is supposed to step in and like tell this guy, well, it this could, is a it, goal. And they couldn't record because he blew the because whistle, he blew the whistle so quickly. And I feel like there should be a, like, I don't know. Uh, a golden rule of okay look if we know it's a goal and we know there's a mistake been made we know it's going to change the entire tie we have to make sure we get that right i don't care yeah. if he's blown his whistle no one's going to stop bellingham from putting it in the goal bellingham doesn't hear the whistle until he's basically put it into the goal ederson had no attempt at even trying to get back on that no defender even near the ball exactly it should have been it should have stood and they should have just bent the rules for this one because that was definitely a goal yeah, that was definitely, definitely a goal. But that was but, definitely oh, not a handball. That was definitely not a handball. You're right. It, yeah, it wasn't it a says, handball. Yeah, exactly. I That's why I was saying that entire time. It was definitely time. not a handball, right? Yeah, it was oh definitely not gosh. a handball. It was a handball. It was not a handball. <laughs> You're saying they're saying he's intentionally done it, and you and you ne- and it's literally a golden rule. You can't read the intentions of the player. It's like when a player slides and it looks terrible, and we're like, right. "Well, so Ca- Casemiro didn't mean to take out James Milner in front of Klopp the other day. He just he just gently pushed him to the floor on accident as the ball was 15 yards past him. Yeah, sure, sure. No intention to to just okay, put Milner. That's in a the different dirt. situation, but you oh, can't read the play <laughs> of it, the guys moving. You try to move and then think, oh, maybe I shouldn't put myself in this position. <laughs> uh, Going 200 miles an hour, okay? What was your reaction to the matches, Derek? I think consistency from Manchester City is what determined both of these matches. I mean, obviously, they get the same result out, both 2-1 to one and both. You know, both similar stats as well, 62% possession kept, as well as five shots on target in both and 11 shots in the second leg, 17 in the first. So obviously they're pretty similarly played games by a really good Manchester City team. And 
Dortmund just couldn't keep up. I think that's what we all really expected as well. We didn't really expect Dortmund to be able to keep up with his team. That's exactly what happened. And in the second leg, they kept uh, Holland pretty quiet, quiet. So I would have to say that's pretty successful from Manchester City. Man, this whole thing was terrible. <laughs> the, the ref got the Bellingham goal wrong, which changed the entire tie. Yeah. Um, and I... <sighs> It just kills me because I really think Dortmund had chances to win this tie if it wasn't for some iffy refereeing decisions. Even the handball, which I think is a handball, is called in other games not a handball. Yeah. So I think at time I think it's just unfair to them. I look at this man city performances. I'm if I'm Pep, I'm happy. We like you said, we kept Holland pretty quiet, no goals and two legs. Uh, he gets the assist, but you know, for the most part, we did a really good job of just not letting him break in, you know, behind us. We bracketed him pretty well. I think the big thing, if I'm Pep, is it, can we continue this defending yeah. against PSG? Because now you're going to have Mbappe and Neymar. Yeah. Can and you stop two? <laughs> and Moise Keane. Three, four. And Draxler. <laughs> Five. And Icardi. Six. <laughs> and then you still have a Roddy behind him. Okay. You're not going to have Jude Bellingham and you're not going to have Erling Holland and 32 year old Michael Royce. You're going to have an M prime Neymar, a hottest as form can be in Bappe. Mm-hmm. Di Maria, who's been there and done that. Yep. Verratti, who's been there and done that and is arguably one of the most talented sentiments in the world. And then you have Draxler, who's hungry. You have Moise Keane, who's hungry to prove himself, and Icardi, who's hungry to prove himself. This is going to be a nightmares <laughs> for Pep for the next two, three weeks until they get these games done. Because that's all he's going to be thinking about is Neymar yeah. and Mbappe, Neymar and Mbappe. And this is where, and we've talked about this before, can Pep stay out of his own way? Yeah. I don't know if it's Pep staying out of his own way. I think as long as he sets up with that back four, of either Stones, Laporte, or Ruben Diaz in the middle, whatever whatever one of the duos he wants to use. I preferably would do Ruben Diaz and Laporte. My left back, maybe you put Laporte left back and you put Stones centrally. I don't know, but it can't be Sinchenko. It needs to be a solid either, left back. It needs to be Mendy or Cancelo. Yeah. Um, I would prefer Cancelo at the left back and you say, Cancelo, figure it out. You put Kyle Walker at right back, Ruben Diaz, and Laporte in the middle. Your midfield, you just have to make sure that it's a solid three. I don't know if Foden can play in the midfield three against PSG. I think he's going to have to be in on a wing or at a false nine. Yeah. And then you're going to have De Bruyne, Rodri, and Gundogan in the middle. And he needs to make sure he rotates in the Premier League to make sure these guys are as fresh as they can be for the Champions League. You put Sterling out on a wing. You put Bernardo if you want in the other. And you or Mares, and you put Foden at the ten, I think, yeah. um, in or at the nine, and he plays a false nine because I think your issue right now is for this team, they just don't have a center forward you can believe in. Like I don't believe yeah. in Gabriel Jesus and Aguero. Just he's not the same since returning. Yeah, I feel like he's probably just looking ahead now. He does. I don't think he really wants to be there at this point. I think he's like, I've already done everything I want to do here. I want to move on. He's kind of getting ahead of himself. You know what I mean? And then you just – I the big thing with Pep, though, is, is like you've said, him staying out of his own way, trying not 
to get too tactical. And I think that's a big problem going into this game because I think he's going to focus so much on stopping Mbappe and Neymar. He's going to forget about an Icardi or Di Maria. And then those guys are going to break through and he's just going to be left sitting on the bench like, oh God, I forgot about these guys. And that's going to, that, I think that's what PSG cause a problem for a lot of these teams is that you just don't know who to stop and when. I mean, I mean, there's no way Pep's not going to watch the Bayern and PSG quarterfinals and not, not take note of, okay, don't play such a high line in possession. Yeah. And make sure that we have our strongest back four and regardless of if they're an attacking left back or not, because you could tell this Bayern Munich squad was totally different with Alfonso Davies at left back than when they had, uh, what's his name out there? Either uh, Lucas or Alaba out there. Yeah. Um, and he, he's going to have to trust himself. He really does. He, he, he just can't overthink this one. I understand, you know, there's a lot of people that just go, you know, oh, every time he rotates and they win, we think he's, you know, the smartest guy ever. And then when he rotates and they lose, we all, you know, criticize him. No, it's because he rotates at times in critical moments where it's like, you, you just don't rotate in these games. You just don't, yeah. you just, you put your best 11 out and you say, we're going to go beat you. You know, and that's what Man City has to do in this moment. So, um, Derek, I guess the only thing we can really talk about for Dortmund outside of the iffy refereeing decisions at times was Erling Holland a bit quiet, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I think Man City did an excellent job, you know, ho- holding him down. What What's next for Erling Holland and in, in his career? I think he definitely wants to. I think the next step is definitely getting out of Dortmund. We've already heard the rumors that he's gone, that he's had his agent go out and talk to Barcelona, Real Madrid, and the same trip. And Valencia. Uh, Don't forget Valencia. He's, he talks to Valencia too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Could you imagine? Could you imagine how long goes from Dortmund to Valencia? What a world. What a, what a move. That would be hilarious. Oh my God. Oh my <laughs> that gosh. would be pure comedy. Oh. That's like Cal Felix leaving back. I'd, buy, I'd buy a Holland Valencia jersey. That'd be the only Valencia jersey I ever buy. I'd buy one. It'd be yeah. unbelievable. No kid would ever believe if Erling Holland didn't stay there for more than like two or three years. Like you tell a kid in 2040 when he's like won like 15 Champions Leagues, like 28 <laughs> Golden Boots, that hey, that guy used to play for Valencia. Just so you know that. <laughs> just seeing so you know, that he went from Salzburg to Dortmund was one of the best players in the world. And then he went to Valencia. The kids are sitting there like, but he was at Real Madrid. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. He went to Valencia first. <laughs> he wanted to make sure the league would fit his playing style. Yes. And then he went to Real Madrid. He's very patient, Erling Holland, you know? That's why he yeah. had the meditation <laughs> celebration. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but no, what, what do you think's next for him? You know, obviously, we, we talked about the, the agent and everything and yeah. how he's kind of being shopped around at the moment. Who wants to, to pay the biggest fee? So. And I've heard that they're uh, they're leaning towards going to Real Madrid over Barcelona, which I think that's great news for you. <laughs> oh, it's phenomenal. I'll be the first one in line to buy a jersey for sure. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I that's what the rumor I heard was, is that they're leaning towards going to Real Madrid, which I think would I think they have the financial ability to do it. I don't think Barcelona has it. I don't think if they got into a bidding reward that Barcelona can really outbid them for Holland at all. And his services. Uh, what would be hilarious is if he moved on and went to Bayern Munich. That would be hilarious. No, uh, I, I read something the other day. Bayern Munich's nowhere near interested in Holland because of his price tag. Gotcha. They don't even want to do any business with Mino Raiola. So they're just like, nope. 
uh, we yeah. we don't do business with that guy basically because they they know the fees are just yeah. ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, financially, I the only clubs I see being able to pick him up is Real Madrid or PSG if they sell someone. That's the only way I can see them being able to afford him. Anyone else in the world at the moment? I don't think anyone can. Even Pep has stated that they can't afford him. Uh, Liverpool's leaning towards Mbappe, anyways. They'd rather have him. I don't think Holland's even interested in Liverpool. Yeah, to be exactly. With you. So I, I just, you know. What's next? Uh, it's either Real Madrid or nowhere. I mean, <laughs> I look at it. I mean, he has to leave um, because I don't think Dortmund's going to make top four. Um, also, Dortmund, this is going to be the highest point where you're going to be able to get the most money for him because I don't think he's signing a new deal and his release clause gets into it next summer. So you need to sell him this summer. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it matters where he goes as long as he's going somewhere that can compete in the Champions League every year. And you don't have to worry about it. And he's going to be able to play for every bit of silverware that's you know, available to him. Hmm. Uh, I know it won't be Bayern simply because, like I just stated, they're just not looking to pay the ransom fees uh, that Dortmund are going to want. Yeah. I also think they're really happy with Lewandowski and they're not trying to put exterior pressure on him. Uh, I think Real Madrid are in a great state to get him because Lucas Vasquez's contract is running out. Sergio Ramos's contract is running out. They're going to let go of Marcelo. Um, you've got guys like Isco who they're probably looking to get rid of as well. Eden Hazard hasn't worked out, but you don't have to worry about, um, him in terms of like, no one's gonna, you know, come steal him or anything like that. And if someone does want him, they're willing to probably let him go at this point. Um, you need someone to come and replace Benzema. So they have the, the financial need for it. They're building a new stadium. So when that stadium opens up, I know they're gonna they're gonna want a new superstar face to go with it. With Mbappe maybe being a little bit more patient in PSG, strike when the iron's hot. You might as well go and get this guy. You know he's gonna be the, the top player, at least if not the number one player, a top two or three player for the next ten to fifteen years. So. Oh god, that's a scary thought, man. Oh, it's lined <laughs> up, man. I can't wait. I can't wait. What? No, what if they buy him and then, like, you know, you just said patient at PSG and Bobby. Mm-hmm. Next, you know, oh, Bobby's going to play at Real Madrid at some point. We just don't know if it's going to be when he's 23 or 24 or if he's going to be 28, 29. But he's coming at some point. <laughs> he's going to play at Real Madrid, especially That's when they open this new stadium. That's they're going to they're, so it's going to be the Galacticos all over again. It's going to be Mbappe, Haaland, whoever else, you know, they'll they'll go buy Phil Foden and Jack Grealish and Rashford. They're going to buy everybody, man. They're going to buy everybody. So I'm just no, imagining I, a Real Madrid squad. <laughs> like you could just tell me, hey, Real Madrid's playing. I'll just go, okay, they won by five goals. You got to sort that defense out of Ramos leaves though. Well, who knows? Militao and uh, Nacho held it down. Talking about Real Madrid. Let's talk about Real Madrid tying Liverpool 0-0 in the second leg and then winning 3-1 on aggregate. Derek, what was your reaction to the matches? You, I mean, you guys already know mine. I was, you know, hooting and hollering, super excited. But what was yours? <laughs> yeah, Carl's over here just like, woo, I'm in the semis. <laughs> uh, I think it was never fear for Real Madrid. I mean, you go in, <laughs> Liverpool's looked kind of garbage this season, I'll be honest. <laughs> so I mean, I think- outside the first 10 minutes in that second leg, <laughs> Where I was like, oh, my God, Fede Valverde is playing right back. Uh, Outside of that, I feel like Real Madrid never felt 
a moment in these two legs where they were nervous yeah, or scared they, yeah. uh, of Liverpool. They took it straight to them. Yeah, took I, it straight to I them. think what kills Liverpool too is you just don't have the infield crowd. Even Pep has mentioned that playing at Anfield isn't the same without the fans. Uh, and I don't think it's because the stadium, you know, isn't a great stadium to play in or the, or the, you know, the area that they're playing in isn't great. I think it's what it is. It's just, you just don't have that crowd and atmosphere yeah. that actually, you know, makes players, you know, feel nervous, you know, yeah. and it puts them on that back foot a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, I don't think Real Madrid at all in this tie seemed out of sorts. I, they they looked comfortable throughout. So, yeah. Um, definitely. Uh, I would just say that um, Klopp definitely needs to find a way to play with this Liverpool squad while he's missing out on Van Dyke. And eh, just it's over with around. now. It's over with now. I mean, let's just be honest. Are they going to make top four? I don't think they will. No. You don't think they will. If they want to make top four, this is what they've got. They've got this squad. Yeah. Um, the squad is not performing at its highest level. I think without Jordan Henderson as a leader on the field, without Virgil Van Dyke on the field as a leader, you can see that he's trying to replace that with Milner in short, you know, 60 minute spurts um, and trying to keep that leadership on the field. But it's, it's just not the same Liverpool squad without those guys. And I think that's yeah. what's killing them right now. Um, and like, I, like we, like I said, I don't think they're making top four. So definitely not. Um, and even if, the, even if they do next year, they're going to be fine. And I I'm seeing people saying, what's next for Liverpool? What are we going to do? They got to blow it up. They got to get rid of Salah and Mane's not playing well anymore. No, 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 they just need to reload. They just need to reload. They need to get Van Dyke back. They need to get Gomes back. They need to get Matzip back. Once they get those guys, you invest in some depth like they did with Jota. You go get maybe another forward so you can have a rotation of five, six guys like Manchester City do. You go get a midfielder that isn't just a passer or just a defensive midfielder. You go get a guy that can go box to box. You get a guy that can go to the top of the box and score like Manchester City do because they have so much versatility in every position. You need pace, you put Sterling out in the wing. You need quality, you put Mares. You need service or hard work, you put Bernardo Silva out there. Or you need just a straight-up and down goal-scoring winger, you put on Ferran Torres. Okay, They have so much versatility, and that's what Liverpool's missing. They just don't have the versatility, and it shows when they're losing, when they don't have certain guys. They lose, and they play a totally different way than what they normally do. Yeah. Now, the other thing that people are also bringing up is, will Madrid make the final? They're playing Chelsea. What What do you think, Derek? Because we are, I already said what I think, which we is are, Madrid, yeah. Madrid's making the final. So. Yeah, I, I think Madrid's going to end up in the final. I don't know what scoreline is going to be. I, I personally think it's going to be a little tight just because I don't know who's scoring for Real Madrid. But it, I, I do think that they're going to end up in the final. Uh, Chelsea, obviously, with Chelsea, I just think like we said earlier, they just don't have the experience like Madrid do. They don't have the guys that have been there multiple times. They have guys that this is their first time even playing this far into the Champions League. So definitely, I think this is Madrid's match to take, and it'll be interesting to watch and see what happens. It's it's funny you say like it's, it's Madrid's match to take, and I think it will be because I think Tuchel is going to be happy to let the other team have possession. 
I think he's going to want to hit on the break with Pulisic or Berner or Havertz or whatever front three he plays. And I think he's going to sit deep with that back five. And like you're saying, it's going to be hard for Madrid to break that down with Benzema as your mainly only threat um, in that front three. Outside of Vinny Jr. getting in behind Liverpool, there was not much that was coming to threaten Liverpool at times. So I think that'll be the big issues. Can Real Madrid break down a low block? And they struggled to do it in La Liga, and now they're going to play yeah. against one of the best defensive sides right now currently under Tuchel. Um, I think, like you said, it's going to be tight. It'll definitely yeah. be tight. It'll be 1-1 into the 90th minute of the second leg or 2-2, and it's going to be who's who has the away goal? Who Who's going to you know, get extra time at the other place and, and be able to push this thing through. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it'll be a fun one and it's going to be tough to watch for me. I'm going to be happy either team goes through. Obviously I'm a Madrid fan first and I want them to go through uh, and I'll be very disappointed if they don't. Cause I think they are a better side than Chelsea. Yeah. Now on the other side of this, Derek, let's talk about uh, PSG versus Manchester City. What a tie that is going to be. Definitely. Who do you have in that tie? That's a hard choice. I I have to go with I have to go with Manchester City though. You can't go against all the quality they have spraying out across the pitch. Mm-hmm. If you're going for like, ooh, look at this and look at this, you know, we got Neymar and Mbappe. You instantly want to say PSG, but. Just the overall quality of the team Manchester City have built, I just can't go against it. And obviously, we were all saying that Pep has to stay out of his way on this one. But I think he's he's grown to notice that. I think he's kind of noticed that maybe I need to step back and step out of my way and allow my players to play. We have our play style. They know exactly what they're doing. I just got to put them on the field and then, you know, give them the guidance, but don't give them you know, don't put guys like De Bruyne right back, and I'll be okay. <laughs> I, I uh, I'm I'm gonna go PSG. I don't I don't think anyone. I I think it's gonna be a Madrid PSG final. Um, PSG just look unstoppable at the moment in Champions League. Whenever I watch them, they just know what they're doing. Uh, even without Marquinhos, they're able to stop a Bayern Munich side that scores for fun with that attacking threat, with Kimmich in the midfield. I respect Manchester City. I really do. I think they're going to possess the absolute air out of the entire ball and and keep it. But you only need 15 20% of the ball to score some goals. And Mbappe and Neymar and those guys are going to break forward. And I don't know if I have 100% trust in Manchester City's ability I mean, they finally got past the quarterfinal, Derek. Now they're in a semi. This is the biggest moment in Manchester City's Champions League life, and they're playing against last year's finalists. I, I, I think PSG get through, and I think it's going to be a PSG-Real Madrid final. Who do you have in the final then? Oh, oh, what a question to ask a Madrid fan who I have in the final of Madrid versus PSG. Who do you think, man? Come on. I do oh. have Madrid. I do have Madrid winning it all. So you, you have Real Madrid winning, and then you think it's going to be Real Madrid versus Man City? Yeah, I think it's Real Madrid and Man City, and I think Real Madrid win it all. So okay. we're agreeing on the winner. We just don't agree on who's actually in the final that they beat. 
<laughs> it'll i i mean to be honest i'm probably looking forward more to the man city versus psg match just because oh yeah definitely to, just the, the the playing styles in that games and the stars <laughs> oh dude i'm looking forward to that back and forth <laughs> possession and encounter and the possession encounter neymar and mbappe <laughs> running against them that'd be great so well that will do it to, for today's end-to-end podcast we appreciate you tuning in If you enjoyed the podcast, please let us know via social media or via donation in our listener support on Anchor. We're looking forward to bringing you all more great soccer content in the near future. If you'd like us to cover something specific, definitely let us know on on social media. Uh, We appreciate you listening, and we look forward to running end-to-end together again soon. Take it easy, guys.